Hello, welcome back to Eldritch Girl. And I've got Susan Palumbo with me for this uh, episode. Um, Susan, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Susan Palumbo. I am a dark fantasy and horror writer, though next year I will be having a space opera coming out. So throw a wrench in there. Um, I'm originally from Trinidad and Tobago. Um, I was born there and I immigrated with my parents to Canada. I co-founded the Ignite Awards with L.D. Lewis. I am an editor. I will be editing an issue of Strange Horizons this year, the Caribbean issue that comes out in October. Uh, I like to write. I like to read. I love horror. I love everything gothic. Um, I love fashion and I love plants. Hey. That's amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, thank you for that. Um, I'm really excited for your Skin Thief anthology that's coming out soon as well. And the cover looks amazing. Um, so that's going to be posted in the transcript for everyone to see. Um, are you going to read an extract from that? What extract have you got for us? So I'm going to read something very, very short. Perfect. Um, <laughs> it's, in, it's in the collection. It's um, since I think you sent your questions ahead earlier. I so, did. and you mentioned laughter among the trees in the questions. So I'm going to read from that so that we have a reference point. That's really good. Yeah. So laughter among the trees is uh, freely available um, as part of the darkmagazine.com. So um, I'm going to put a link to that in the transcript as well. So everyone can read the whole thing, but I really love that. And I'm going to link to your other work that's freely available as well, Susan. So um, please go for it. So this is going to be very short, and um, I'm going to just make a note here that there is um, self-harm, and it's on screen on this, on this excerpt that I'm going to read. Um, in this story, what happens is that there is a Trinidadian Canadian family. They've gone camping, camping and uh, the younger sister, Sab, has gone missing, and she was last seen with a boy named Greg. And the older sister, Anna, is sort of dealing with the fallout and the sort of survivor grief of her sister disappearing. So I am going to start. Saab remained between us. Her absence slicked over my skin like a membrane. I glimpsed her as she was, bounding up the stairs, breathed her scent as I walked by her locked room, heard her whisper, shut up, loser before I drifted to sleep. I never saw Greg again. He'd gotten what he'd wanted. One night, while looking at myself in the mirror, Sab's voice clawed up my throat reflexively. You're ugly. Everyone hates you. You're a bitch, Sab, I snapped back. A smile cracked my lips. From then on, whenever I was alone, I spoke for Sab. There were no school hikes for me, no week-long grade 10 wilderness trip or renting a cabin at Wasega Beach with my friends when I turned 17. Mom kept me home from everything wild. I was free as long as I was caged within the steel and concrete confines of the city. When she walked in on me and Marit, a university friend I'd brought home, kissing on my bed, she closed the door without a word. We went downstairs, braced for a fight. Mom was sitting at the kitchen table waiting. All you want some cake? She asked, as if this were a cherished routine. 
Yes, thank you, Marit said. She slid into the chair across from my mother and quirked her lips into a smile. I raised my eyebrows as mom stiffened and passed Marit a plate of coconut cake. I remember stilted small talk and Marit asking my mother about her job while being utterly charming. Mom looked back and forth between us. When Marit had licked her fork clean, we walked her to the door. Come back any time. Mom was distant, but sincere. Thank you, Miss Dindio. I will. Marit winked at me before she turned and left. I closed the door and leaned my back against it. So? I asked, breaking the prickly silence. Do you like her? Anna, she grimaced, like she'd tasted rancid milk. She looks like older Sab. Fuck that. I left her at the bottom of the stairs. I locked myself inside my bathroom and steadied myself against the vanity. A voice bubbled up in my throat. It was grittier than my earlier versions of Sab's voice. She looks exactly like me, I whispered. I retched bile into the sink until the acid scorched my throat. I moved out after graduation and survived by feeding off of my memories of Sab like a maggot. I blended her voice with mine, usurped her unquestioning confidence to land a job at a prestigious law firm, transposed her charm into adulthood, and used it to fuck women I wanted. I locked pathetic Anna inside me, trotting her out for family and the occasional drinks with Marit. I flooded the space left by Sab while it ate Dad's liver and stole Mom's connection to the present. I constructed the life I dreamed Sab would have had and lived it. Sab owned a waterfront condo and sipped champagne with top-tier clients. Sab was profiled in the Saturday paper as the quintessential immigrant's success story. Sab com comforted relatives and said, thank you for coming at Dad's funeral. Sab organized mom's move into a nursing home when she could no longer live alone. Sab, Sab, Sab. I glutted myself on the potential of her unfinished life, yet the frost that had bloomed in me so long ago had fractalized, coating my intestines and invading my lungs. Sometimes I'd take a knife to the inside of my upper arm and slide the blade beneath the skin to check if I was still completely numb. The face reflected in the blade was always my own. Soon, I only allowed Anna to crawl out of the morgue inside me to visit mom at the retirement home. I'll stop there. Oh Why my did God. I choose such difficult words? <laughs> <laughs> I find that when you're reading an extract, it's like, oh, this would be the perfect one to illustrate this. So, oh my God, I actually have to read it. <laughs> yeah, and I can't. I, I'm like, oh no, I'm reading this. Oh my God, I swore in this story. <laughs> There was one line I had to do like three or four times because I just couldn't say it. It had a lot of s and sh in the same line. And I just yeah. couldn't like, I couldn't make my mouth say those sounds correctly. They <laughs> like sound a lovely twister. in your head. Yeah. Was, <laughs> oh, oh no. <laughs> you did great. Like that was great. Thank you. Um, I'm going to put a link to that in the transcript so that people can read the whole thing. Um, and I really recommend that you do because Laughter Among the Trees is so good. Um, so let's talk about the way that body horror in general shows up in your work and where that comes from. I know that's like a very vague term, like body horror covers a lot of bases. Um, and I really like the way that it 
kind of appears in Laughter Among the Trees particularly and those sorts of images of um, you know the morgue inside her and maggots and those kinds of like um, ideas about herself and where that you know uh, which I think is kind of a body horror um, imagery even though there's nothing physical going on externally at that point um, so do you find yourself looking at the body as a site of horror for specific reasons and how does that show up in your work so this is an interesting question for me because when I first started writing right I I, I just started writing stories and I I was writing them and they were all horror or horror related and I started noticing a trend where I kept writing about skin, uh, different kinds of skin or different kinds of veneers or different kinds of outer shells and them uh, forming or uh, peeling off or shifting or changing. And so I, I looked at probably about two years ago, I looked back at all my work and I was like, wow, you are really obsessed with body horror and skin and shape-shifting. But I didn't realize it at the time while I was doing it. And I think when I had hindsight, I was like, okay, well, why, why, is, why are you obsessed with this? And I think um, it's because I, reading is often therapy and I think I have a lot of issues. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, uh, and a, lot of, a lot of those issues are 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 about you know um, what I feel is 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 okay to present on the outside and what I am like on the inside and that sort of negotiation. And I I, I think um, in society we have a lot of rules and we have a lot of of you know appropriate behavior and and things like that. Um, but I think why I keep coming back to body horror specifically, is because it represents probably one of the most intimate conflicts you can have. When, when you're talking about conflicts and stories, they're always like, you know, uh, man versus society, man, man versus society, man versus nature, and then they have man versus himself. And, you know, I'm really interested in that because that conflict is one that's really hard to escape. It's really hard to escape uh, the conflict you have inside yourself, you have to really bury it if, if you want to get away from it. And I like that. I like how visceral it is. And I like how it, 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 it's very hard to ignore. And I like that when I'm writing. And I think that's why I keep coming up with body horror because it's, it's like your body is rebelling against you. You're, you're, mm -hmm. you, you can change houses. It's much harder to change your body. You can, but it's much harder it involves more emotionally I think mm. if that makes sense it does yeah that's yeah that's really cool yeah I love the idea of that kind of you you inhabit different shells or different personas and different like like a hermit crab right and you just kind of <laughs> and um yeah or you grow to fit something and then you have to shrug it off because you're no longer that person and you have to find something that fits you and like all of that kind of internal struggle that's manifested through like a physical visceral engagement with your physicality and stuff like that I find that really fascinating yeah and I think you're right like I think when we do write we write horror and I think for me as well as a lot of it is very therapeutic and there's a lot of internal struggles I think yeah I it's can processing. kind of relate to like, that yeah 
for me, for me, horror, it, it, everyone's like, oh, why would you want to write horror? And I'm like, because I'm processing, I'm, I'm processing all of these things and processing thoughts and processing feelings and processing, you know, what, what has happened to me, what I think is happening, what, what happens to other people. And uh, yeah, it's, it, that's why I do it. It's, it's therapy. It's, yeah. it's, it's cheaper than paying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah and there's like um there's other elements to it as well I think as well like you've got so much going on in some of the short stories because they're so layered I really like that like I love how many kind of um how much you sort of cram into a very short space and you've got really beautiful kind of lyrical prose that I really enjoy oh. and um yeah and and um, I noticed there was um some engagement with folklore folkloric elements and um, ghosts and paranormal kind of things in your work as well um how does body horror intersect with folklore in your work or does it it does so um so i i kind of write different I, there are there are different folklore folklore traditions i guess they, they do sort of interconnect so there's I'm from Trinidad, so we have our own sort of folklore that has developed um, through, it's British, it's French, it's Spanish, it's West African, it's uh, South Asian, it's indigenous, it's all of those things. And so we have our own folklore stories and a lot of them are very, very physical. A lot of them are, are body horror. We have, a, we have a vampire called the Sukunyant which is based on the French vampire um, story. And she's a, a woman, she's an older woman who sheds her skin and flies like a ball of fire into the night to find someone to suck their blood. And that shedding of the skin is very body horror. Um, and we have another one, uh, Dwen, uh, that story is about a child who has died and was not baptized and they come back as a ghost, but their feet are backwards. That's very body horror. We have another one, uh, La Diablesse, that's a woman who's a temptress and she she walks those lanes at nighttime luring men and um, they're really, really into her. But when they actually like get her in a position where they're going to do something with her they find that she has a, a cow's leg she she doesn't have a human foot two human feet she has a cow's leg and a human foot and that's sort of body horror ish so it it it's I don't want to say that like people who have these sort of um things going on just regularly in real life that their body horror it's the it's the it's the sort of something bad has happened to you and now you have to deal with a change sort of thing that's the horror yeah. aspect yeah 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 like the um yeah so it's it's that sort of I was gonna say like the becoming monstrous or like becoming in some way uncanny or like it's something you, right. think you recognize and then oh my god <laughs> what is this yeah like it's different I, I mean, I'm different yeah. now and I but like you have to be sort of careful when you talk about things like that because there are people like 
I don't want to say that that is a horror generally. It's not that, you know, hmm. it's a difficult topic, topic to talk about. Because it's like, what is body horror exactly? Something that's one person sees as horrific might not be horrific to somebody else because that's normal to them. That's how they are in an everyday situation. But that's how it shows up in our folklore, where it's something that you expect and then it's a little bit different. It's not um it's not what you expected, I guess. Yeah. And also if it's happening to you and it's not expect that you are not expecting to undergo a change and you are not expecting to appear the way that you do appear or the way that you were yesterday or that change has happened and it's a cause of um it's a cause of concern, it's a cause of terror, it's a cause of like um something's happening within you that you can't explain, that you don't understand, um, that's paranormal, that's out of your control potentially, or supernatural exactly. or something like that. And it's beyond the bound beyond the regions of explanation as well. I think there's that kind of, especially with folklore, isn't it? Like all of that, you can't explain it in normal terms. Like you have to, there's a supernatural explanation or a religious explanation, or um, you know, you it, or it's just something that happens that you you can't maybe you can't control or you have to resort to some sort of magic or some sort of something that is not um regulated by kind of um a certain area of society that that you live in or like mainstream society whatever that means do you know what I mean and you have to go to the edges of your society to figure out what's going on or you have to move beyond um what you thought of as as normal and safe and you have to try and figure things out that way so yeah yeah like does that make sense like oh no it, it yeah. completely does I, it's it's interesting because folklore has sort of it's it's a doesn't have necessarily the sense the the sort of consciousness that I do or we do now today of what what is what is quote unquote normal and and what is horror and what isn't horror so but uh, that's what I grew up with those folklore stories and they're hundreds of years old and they've been passed down and mm. so it it they do really influence uh, my oh, work yeah, yeah. so. I mean, it's not necessarily what I believe, but it, <laughs> those sort of images are 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 in there for sure. That vampire sounds amazing. Like, why does she shed oh. her skin? What's what's going on with that? Like, what happens? Okay, the okay. whole point of that story. Sorry, <laughs> Just the whole point of that that folklore story is that it 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 has a historical basis in there's an old woman who lives probably there are old women who have property or who have lived in a certain area and they're not married and no one knows why or how they they have been able to have this property and women really having property sometimes causes people distress because why why does this woman have control of her life or her property so people made up this story that she had uh, made a deal with the devil and mm -hmm. that's why she's able to have a house and live on her own. But um, as part of that deal with the devil, at night, she sheds her skin and mm -hmm. puts it in a mortar. Uh, you know, the cooking thing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like mortar and pestle. And she, yeah. Yeah. So she puts it in a mortar and she flies off to find somebody 
to suck their blood because she doesn't have a job or anything. So that's how she <laughs> sustains herself, right? And she, she breaks into, she, she, she sort of like, I don't know, like smoke or something. She, she comes into your house while you're sleeping and she sucks your blood. And then she leaves and you wake up with two bruises on your neck or on your leg or on your arm. Mm-hmm. And the way to stop her is you've got to put like rice grains on on the on the windowsill mm-hmm. or salt. And she cannot resist counting these things. So if you want to keep her out, you put that there and then she'll stop and she'll start counting. And then the sun will, will start rising. She has to leave. She has to go back home. So she, you, you're protected. She won't get in your house because she has mm-hmm. to stay outside counting. And if you really want to kill her, you break into her house and put salt in her mortar where her skin is. <gasps> and when she tries to put it back on, it's too, it's too, it's too small. And then the sun comes up and she dies. <gasps> oh, wow. Okay. That's really cool. I've heard the counting thing um, yeah. before. Cause that's a, I think that's a European thing as well, isn't it? That's, oh, yeah, that's what they get it from. France, right. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of that vampires are weirdly compulsive about needing to count stuff. Count stuff. <laughs> I don't know why. Like I, I'm really interested as to where that has come from. Like, but yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, it's it because yeah, isn't that weird? Like, but anyway, yeah. So I had that skin thing's really cool because that's almost like um, you know, the selkie myth, where, or, or like even the exactly yeah. werewolves, where they take off their human skin and they become wolves. And then if you steal the human skin, they can't change back. I'm thinking like Bisclavre, the um, the uh, Marie de France's lay, um, where he does that, he becomes a wolf, and then his wife steals his human skin, so he's stuck as a wolf forever. And like, um, yeah, he bites her nose off as punishment, and because well, it's stressful <laughs> being a wolf all the yeah. time. Damn right. <laughs> um, especially at a time when people hunt wolves. So yeah. Um, but um, yeah, like that's really interesting. I, I haven't heard of a vampire per, like shedding their skin before. So that's like a really cool mix. Oh, I love folklore so much. It's, it's so yeah. Good yeah have you used any of that in um skin thief in your collection oh yeah the whole book is that amazing (laughs) yeah um I actually have a story like that um with the with the vampire shedding her skin vampire uh it's at pseudopod it's called Tara's mother's skin so she it's about a girl and she encounters one of these one of these sukunyants and she's determined to because you know the village is all like oh she's the village vampire you should not go there and she's determined to to say no she's a lovely lady and I'm going to redeem her <laughs> oh no works <laughs> out for her in a way I guess <laughs> I won't spoil it Okay, but yes, the the whole the whole the whole collection sort of is like because I write so much about shape shifting and and body shifting and changes. The whole collection is is um, that sort of paranormal or folkloric, except one story where people sort of change or lose their skin. And I actually 
I did a selkie story, but with deer instead instead of um, in, instead of seals. Seals. Remember. Yeah, yeah, seals. But, um, yeah. Anyways, so it starts off with more western um, sort of shapeshifters, and then as the stories go on, at the end, it's very Trinidadian shapeshifters. So it's like a, a it's. I did this on purpose. It's a it's a shift in the actual arc of the story. You shift from being very Canadian to very Trinidadian at the end. Oh, I so love I that. ordered it that way on purpose because it was like the stories are all shape shifting, but the but the book itself is shape shifting from someone who is very Canadian voice to someone who is very Trinidadian voice because I'm both. Oh, that yeah 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 yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, that's really cool. I love it when um, a collection is ordered in a specific way. So like you can either dip in and out if you want, but then you kind of lose the sense of the overall arc if there is one. And it's like, yeah, it's really cool to see how people have structured the anthologies. Well, I have friends who are like, no, I just read them in in any order. And I'm like, please read mine in order. (laughs) Please, I can read it on purpose this way. But I mean, it's okay. Just read it. I don't. It's fine if, if you don't do that. But like, you know, it it's cool. like, yeah, it's like how um artists, uh, like music artists, sometimes you know structure their albums in a particular way. And I'm one of those nightmare people that just like put it on shuffle, <laughs> like ruin it. You know, <laughs> like, it's a story. You, you get different. It's like a candy box. You know, you just yeah. pick and enjoy. <laughs> I'm really excited to read it. Um, <laughs> I'm really excited for you to read it. I'm excited for everyone to read it. Yeah, what, remind us when it comes out again. It's uh, October. It comes out in October for it's yeah. for spooky season. Perfect, okay. perfect time. It's so far away and yet so close. <laughs> I know it'll it'll be here in a, in a minute. Going back to after among the trees, just for a second, because. Um, I also wanted to pick up on another theme in your work um, and maybe we could talk about how that manifests in the Skin Thief collection as well. But um, I'm thinking specifically about um, the idea of um, family and the darker side of family dynamics that shows up in Laughter Among the Trees in particular, um, and especially in that extract that you read out for us because you've got this um, amazing kind of um, imagery of being inhabited by the memory of a departed sibling and it's not a possession in like a traditional sense is it like she's recreating Sab in herself and like making space for Sab in herself as a way of processing that absence Um, but it's kind of like the being possessed by an imagined person um, which I thought was such a cool idea and also such a really like um, good way of showing how somebody is not at all dealing with loss or dealing very badly with that and also is being permanently haunted by somebody like and um, but also the the very kind of um, like almost negative relationship that they have as siblings like it's it's a a bad relationship yeah yeah, very toxic relationship (laughs) that she then has with herself and her own body as a result of having a toxic relationship with her sister who is within her I thought that was like really interesting way of showing all of that and I'm wondering if that's something that you 
Um, so the, the darker side of family is something you explore in your work a lot. Um, and do you find that that's another area where body horror can come into play in different ways? For sure. I think it's a very good, intelligent question. And you, 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 you really you make me sound smarter than I probably am. You describe things. Um, I think, I mean, when family dynamics and body horror, right? Let let let's just be like not paranormal. Let's just be like regular, right? Let's say you have something that you want to tell your parents, right? And you know, like, okay, I'm queer, right? So you have feelings, you have thoughts, you have ideas. And you you want to be honest about yourself, or you want to tell your family, and you 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 know your family doesn't accept that, or you know that they're not going to like that, or they're going to say we don't want you in the house, or any of these things. You internalize that because you're like, okay, I can't say it, so I have to keep it inside. And when you keep it inside, I mean, just even on an everyday physical level, it's stressful, it feels heavy, it's uh, oppressive, um, people get anxiety, people become depressed, people have all kinds of reactions to it. So, uh, yes, I've, I, of course, um, think that difficult family dynamics sort of manifest inside you because you carry that with you and you have emotions and feelings about it and when you're writing it's 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 easy to sort of visualize those things as okay I I disappointed my mother because I didn't watch my sister and she she has disappeared now and so I keep hearing my sister's voice because I can't forget it because I feel guilty about it um, sort of thing. So yeah, I, I think grief, you carry it around. I think loss, you carry it around. And I, I think if it's inside you, and it makes you upset, then that's a form of body horror. Yeah. And it's like that physical manifestation of, um, because yeah, like, yeah, like, as you say, anxiety and depression um, are yeah, those are mental illnesses that manifest in a very physical way because they have physical, um, oh, <laughs> well, what's the word? Um, presentations, present, yeah, like, present, yeah, 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 physical presentations, and like you, you, yeah, like you can have panic attacks. You can have like I have panic attacks yeah. all the time, and they're terrifying. It's 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 horrific. Yeah, so, yeah. Sorry, yeah. maybe you didn't need to know that. <laughs> <laughs> and like yeah but exactly that and you can also like you can just not want to get up you can just hide in in a small space in your bed or like and you can you know and that can can lead to um like other physical issues where like you don't take care of yourself and that can exacerbate like um other problems or just something as simple as you know depression making you put stuff off so you don't go see a doctor about stuff or you just you think oh you know I deserve to have this you know these negative thoughts I deserve to have this happen to me or whatever that's the other thing you 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 deserve yeah punishment yeah 
like so you you deliberately kind of don't take care of yourself or when you have an injury or something you just ignore it or you don't you, you know like or you don't eat right and you don't like so you can have body horror kind of manifesting in um uh like I talk about um disordered eating a lot in my work and and like body dysmorphia and um generally not as body horror but as something that characters just happen to have um but that is also like something that's quite for somebody experiencing it or somebody like when your body changes and you don't have a very good perception of what that is like like that can be very disorientating and very traumatic and so yeah like all of those things can come into play and often like it's as a result of like oh, I don't know how to deal with my family or like the the background of you know when you have family who comment on certain things about your physical appearance when you have family who um you have a bad relationship with and that causes you to uh be so anxious when you're around them that you have these coping mechanisms that don't work and when you can't escape your family um, you know what do you do when you do escape your family and you have terrible coping mechanisms that you bring to other areas of your life do you manage that and all of that kind of stuff can manifest in different different ways and so yeah like body horror um, is right. a really and good I, way to explore that right yes and it, it isn't it isn't ex- like I, I I don't know because sometimes words words don't really convey exactly like I like we're using the word horror, right? And I have a lot of these issues myself. I've been depressed. I've I've I'm I have anxiety. I have other issues. Um, I'm neurodiverse, and I don't think of myself as a horror. <laughs> like I don't think of those things as a horror, but they 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 are discomforting, and discomfort sometimes goes along with the horror genre. Yes, yeah, um, and I think that's. Yeah, so I'm, I'm also like neurodiverse and yeah, like a queer, and <laughs> like these different things that it's it's hard to sometimes process and it's easier to process within a particular genre. Like you're saying, like horror as therapy and like, yeah, and it's easier to kind of maybe externalize a lot of the feelings and express them in a body horror context um, because of the way everything makes you feel physically so it's easier to kind of explain the physicality of the emotion and what that's doing to you yeah and I feel like that's an easier way for me to kind of examine how I feel about stuff and like it sounds like that's very similar for you I'm not sure if that's no that's exactly that's exactly it I I'm anxious or I'm having an issue how do I how do I sort of process that well okay I'm going to I'm going to remove it from myself or I'm going to take, or I'm going to make it take a physical form and I'm going to pro I'm going to work through what it's like to interact with that physical form or Mm. with that, with that voice or with that sound. Um, And it's presented in a horror way so that I can process it. Is it horrific to feel like, is, is that itself a horror? I'm not sure, but I'm presenting it in a horror way to process it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me as well, I think. Um, and do you have any like other themes and tropes that you play with as a writer, apart from, um, you know, body horror? We've kind of covered a lot. Um, do you have any like other favorite ones 
Um, and maybe could you give us examples from Skin Thief without too many spoilers, if you do? Okay, so this was a hard question for me because I've been so obsessed with 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 shapeshifters. So I was like, what else do I like? Do I like anything else? I I really am just obsessed generally with anything gothic. So um, you know, you give me even the just the settings and the trappings of it and everything gothic. So, you know, if there's a castle, I love it. I will, uh, I have an actual uh, story that's like a, a um, it's a Phantom of the Opera retelling, but it is a steampunk Phantom of the Opera retelling. So Christine <gasps> is an automaton and, you know, she's got to sing for this maestro. So, and it's got like, you know, you're in a castle and you, you, you go down to the dungeon and, and stuff like that. So I, I love the sort of mad scientist, um, genius who creates something and, and it, it, he realizes that he shouldn't have created it because he's made something that can think on feel on its own and should be its own person so I like I like stuff like that um I what else do I like I really like villains I Yay. really like I really like people who are even like in laughter among the trees she's not a perfect person the protagonist she feels jealous she's angry she's upset she's not a perfect person and I really enjoy stories I don't I there's a market there's a audience there's a there's a need for people who are like okay this is a very sweet nice person and this is the villain dun, dun, dun. Um, but what I like is I really like a character who is a mess and who is flawed and makes bad choices or has feelings that people don't usually acknowledge I love that. I don't, that's not a trope, but I just love it. So I really, I've tried that in a lot of the stories to write characters who feel angry, who are resentful, who, who are struggling with, with things like, because that's how I feel. I'm not perfect. And, and I, I love that. So yes, I don't even know how to end this, this ramble about how I love villains and people who are flawed. Give me a messed up person. I'll love them forever. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I love them too. That's great. That's basically, yeah, because that's, I think, I I basically just write anti-heroes at best. And I think that's, they're just more interesting. Right? Just, I think it's, if someone, okay, this is, this is my thing. If someone can get you to understand why this a miserable person you should you should like empathize with them that's magic like you got me to be like okay she okay so she's jealous and she's upset and she's but I get why she's jealous and she's upset I think that's brilliant yes yeah and I yeah I I love that I think it's much easier to um I don't it's much easier to like, like root for somebody who's got all those heroic qualities and things but I'm like I've never really related to people like that I think because I'm just not I'm not a hero <laughs> just a messed no, me up neither. person with a lot of flaws <laughs> and yeah, I'm gonna, I yeah 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally, I mean, I love that for people who love it. Like yes. if you, if you like that, yeah, go hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Definitely. But, but it's, give it's... me the messy, like, like, feel horrible. I'm jealous. I'm going to go be petty in the corner by myself <laughs> person to follow. Cause I just, I, it's so juicy. I love it. And there's just so much as a writer, when you've got that kind of character, sometimes you're just presented with an absolute gift of a character that you can do so much with. And like, I know a lot of people go, oh, yes, the redemption arc. I'm like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Let's let's just explore this. Let's let them get a little bit worse. (laughs) That's right. Right. Like you. The, we don't need to be redeemed necessarily. I mean, and I'm, when we're talking about this, I always have a caveat that I'm, I'm, I'm not like, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to, we're talking about people who do atrocities and we want to, we want to uh, empathize with them. I'm not talking about the people who do atrocities. I'm talking about the regular people who are like, just regular people who have probably feel guilty for thoughts they have or feel bad about you know or ashamed because you know I I, oh I I didn't feel like cheering for Bob when he won the award like that kind (laughs) of person I'm not talking about like you know horrid historical horrid kind of people that kind of people I don't want to redeem them or like understand that like I'm not talking about that Mm. but yeah 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 no it's I just think there's just so many more layers aren't there to to people like it's it's so lovely to like be like okay they're this way on the outside but on the inside they're yeah (laughs) oh my god oh that's yeah yeah I think I think that's about all we've got time for in terms of discussion but I just want to um before we go um I just want to give you some space to plug anything you want that's coming out um tell us where to find you um tell us where to find your book and I'll put all the links in the transcript as well so that everyone can head to um cmrosens.com and you'll find the transcript there um so you can just access all the links easily um but yeah, this is your space. Plug anything you want before before we say goodbye. It's been fantastic right. talking to you. <laughs> you too. Um, okay, I don't know if you if if anyone noticed, but I have a book called Skin Thief coming out. I'm not sure if you <laughs> mentioned it enough. Maybe, maybe, maybe you missed maybe you missed it in the in the discussion. But yes, my collection Skin Thief is coming out from Neon Hemlock. It is coming out at the end of September, beginning of October. It, yes, it's a short story collection. We talked about Laughter Among the Trees a lot. That was nominated for the Nebula and also on the Hugo Longlist last year. So you can get that story in print if you buy it. I don't have a lot of things I'm allowed to talk about out loud yet. Uh, I have several stories coming out. Another one is from Neon Hemlock. It's uh, in the Crawling Moon anthology. That's queer dread. Um, That's what that anthology is about. So I'll have a story coming out with them. I will have some nonfiction coming out and in other anthologies, but I really can't say too much because I'm not allowed to yet. It's very mysterious. (laughs) So I'll just plug my book. 
please read it when it comes out. Yes, and review it. Read and review. Uh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Honest reviews. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. That, that helps it get noticed and uh, shared more widely. So that's what we want. Um, yeah, I can't wait. I'm really excited. So, so excited you're excited. <laughs> um, it's been fantastic talking to you. I've been really interesting to chat about body horror, folklore, all that juicy, villainous stuff. Look forward to anything else that you're writing. So I'm really uh, excited to read a little I bit do, more. I do have a novella coming out next in 2024. Oh, okay. It's a space opera. Yes. It's, it's a space opera. It's not, a, there's no... There's no body horror in it. Okay, maybe a tiny bit. I okay. put a tiny bit. It's <laughs> like, I don't believe you. <laughs> okay, maybe there are some vultures, but mostly it's spaceships. I'm so excited. Okay, yeah, what's that called? Are you allowed to say? It's called Countess. It's a retelling of Count of Monte Cristo in space. Oh my God. Okay, that sounds amazing. Yes. I love Count of Monte Cristo. That's yeah. He's he's like the ultimate anti-hero, isn't he? In many ways. <laughs> like, oh, okay. No, that sounds amazing. So, Countess, and it's um, in two thousand twenty-four. Twenty twenty-four novella. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I should be on the lookout for that. And that is all we've got time for. Um, so, thank you so much, Susan, for being on the podcast. It's been brilliant to have you and good luck with everything that you've got going on. So much stuff going on. But yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been so fun. You're so wonderful. Oh, thank you. I hopefully maybe you'll come back for the next season. Oh, yeah. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, grand. Uh, maybe we'll see you again soon. Um, take care and. Bye for now.